Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, and welcome back to another Get Genius episode. You are in for a big treat with my guest today. You know, there are some people that you just see on stage or meet in person and they immediately energize you. It's like they have this contagious positivity emoting from them and you just want to be a part of it. That's my guest today, Alex Sharfin. Alex is an internationally recognized speaker and business consultant. He consults billionaires, the Fortune 500, and some of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world. He has a unique approach to empowering entrepreneurs. It's not just about growing and scaling their business. It's also about making their greatest contribution. He makes regular appearances on MSNBC, CNBC, Fox News, The Wall Street Journal, and on and on. And he answers the biggest question entrepreneurs have, which is, how do I make my business grow? And even larger than that, how do you help people grow? For two decades now, Alex has designed a proven business models and strategies that are specific to entrepreneurs because, let's face it, we are a special breed. There is nothing cookie cutter about us. So I'm so, so excited today to have Alex on the show. So thank you, Alex, for being here. Oh, Amber, it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this. Awesome. So you've, you've said that you have always felt out of place or at odds with the world since you were young. Yeah, you know, um, I think I always knew I was different. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, Summer, because I, I always knew I, I thought I was different. And there was a lot of time where I, I felt like, you know, I was a party of one. Um, so, so unique, so different from everyone around me that sometimes I felt so, so detached from the system, whether it be school or guidance counseling or aptitude testing or any of those things. They were so challenging for me that I felt like, you know, I was, I, I was separated from the system, couldn't get help. And what's weird is that that feels like a singular, unique experience. Like I'm the one who feels this way. And, and as I, you know, worked more and more with, with the most successful people in the world and kind of got close and, and was able to have conversations, I realized we, we all feel this way. It's kind of, it's kind of part of being one of those people who says, let's change things. Exactly. So how did this, how did feeling that way at that time affect your, your mindset in just regular everyday life? You know, um, gosh, when I was, when I was a kid, I think I went through a lot of what a lot of entrepreneurs and, and, and people who have done things throughout history kind of report. You know, Einstein talked about how he was um, so confused by algebra that it was daydreaming during that class where he started thinking of the theory of relativity. I mean, that juxtaposition should show us just how violent it is for people who, who think differently. Here I am, you know, and I failed algebra. And I remember trying so hard and trying like, like crazy. And so I think what happened, Summer, was I tried and, and tried to do the quote-unquote apply myself, and I failed. And so I started really feeling like I was going to fail. And so I think it drove me to almost obsessively study success. Um. You know, which, which sounds great because I've been successful. But when I say obsessively, you know, I, I think there's entrepreneurs out there who know what I mean, where, where it wasn't necessarily just to be successful, but it was out of the fear of not being successful. Yes, exactly. 
So you, you have mentioned before that you, when you were a young child, around eight years old, you actually felt safer in a business environment than you did in the school environment. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Summer. It's, it's not just safer than, than a school environment. And, you know, it's, it's a similar experience for a lot of people, for a lot of entrepreneurs who grew up in family businesses. I was about um, eight. My, I, and before that, I'd already gone to work with my dad. But this was when I actually started working with my dad. And, um, and, and it was amazing because, you know, I, I stood behind a table in a flea market in a swap meet. And, um, and I was insecure in most of the world. But I stood behind this table and somebody would come up and they'd ask a question about something we were selling. And if I answered it, they would buy something. And it made me feel like valuable. <laughs> it made me feel like I could do something, you know, because in, in school, most of the time, I, not, not most of the time, like all the time I was picked last. Um, I think when I was 11, I was picked second to last. And I was like, hey, there's potential. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that when, when I got into business, it was, here's something that I think I can control. And I very quickly qualified, hey, do you need to, to have anything to be a business owner? Because I knew school was not going well. And the, the business was just kind of someplace that saved me. It was, it was easy to understand. It created a context. It made it safer. It reduced the number of variables. And it's funny, when I was a kid, that's where I felt safest. Today, it's still where I feel safest. So how are you seeing this with, with your two girls? Oh, it's, it's intense. So I have a, a six-year-old and a nine-year-old, and um, we unschool them. That's a decision that Katie and I made after trying traditional school. And, uh, and what we found, Summer, is that they are, they're so much like us, but this, that they're, they're outcome-motivated, they're driven, they can't sit still. They want to be learning and consuming and doing and, and being like, you know, nurtured all the time. And so I have a nine-year-old who elects every day to come to the office and work. And when, when we ask her to stay home and like go horseback riding or stay home and, you know, go to her yoga class, there's usually an argument. Like, is that more important than going to work? And, and it's amazing. You know, I, I tell people all the time, um, you know, I've, I've never seen an unmotivated child on a playground. And kids are so naturally motivated that if you just clear constraint and let them choose the direction, it's amazing how much they will volunteer and beg you to be able to do. Oh, absolutely. So, and what's happening in traditional schooling that's not delivering this kind of, you know, freedom or... Yeah. So, you know, Summer, I think when you look at, and it's unfortunate, first of all, I want to qualify this because sometimes I sound like I'm attacking schools or attack, attacking teachers. And one of my closest friends, my closest, one, like one of the top two or three people in the world in, in, in my life who's not family is a guy named Rick Lara. He is my high school speech coach. Um, I, I, I exchange messages or talk to him several times a week and have for almost 30 years. Um, he still coaches me. He's still my speech coach and he coaches my wife and he comes in from time to time and works with my team. And um, I never thought I would see the day that he left teaching, but he's leaving the public school system this year after 40 years. And it's because the level of constraint that he has to deal with, um, you know, when he looks down at, at a roll sheet and 80% of the kids in a class are on medication, it starts feeling like they're doing something wrong. 
you know, and, and when almost every, he, he teaches at a, a, a high school called Santa Ana High School. And, you know, it's, it's not higher income, in, but it's not the lowest income either. But there's some challenging stuff there. There's, you know, some, some gang activity and some other things. But when you look at the number of kids who are on medication just to make it through the day, you know, and, and here's, here's the, he, what he's told me and what countless teachers have told me. It's not about the students anymore. It's about the tests. You know, 40 years ago, when I went to school, there was three to four hours of standardized testing every year. Today, there's, there's three, and there's some school districts where if you looked at the entire semester, they are pre-testing, preparing, or testing every day, but five or six days. So yeah, it's just, I mean, it's created so much constraint summer that, you know, there's a reason why we are showing double digit increases in ADD, ADHD, childhood depression, childhood bipolar, childhood mania, childhood schizophrenia, all these things. And, and, and increases in medication. I mean, let's be honest, ADHD is code for this kid needs medication to be able to sit in school. Yes. Yep. So yeah, so no, we're, we're very active in trying to help people understand there's nothing broken with their kids. And if, if your child's restless and motivated and can't sit still and, you know, does all those things that pre- present a behavioral problem, the people who change the world are restless and motivated and they can't sit still and they challenge the status quo and they move around too much and, you know, they don't wear shoes and they walk around outside and they drag people into the parking lot for meetings. I, I guarantee that was Steve Jobs. Yeah, you know, and uh, I don't know. It, it bothers me because I feel the pain of children in school. I was there. It was nowhere near as bad for me. But when you really think about how much constraint there is today, there's kids every single day that are asking, what is wrong with me? And there's nothing wrong with them. It's the system. So true. So because of this, and, and, and you, you see this in children, and you've seen this probably, um, you know this about entrepreneurs. They have, they have a specific personality type. And so you've developed EPT, entrepreneurial personality type. Please talk more about that. What it is, <laughs> sure. how, did you come, how did you come to this conclusion? How did you develop this? All of, all of the juicy stuff. Sure, absolutely. So um, we kind of call it a discovery. And I, and I know that might sound somewhat dramatic, Summer, and that's not ever my intention. But we really do feel like we've discovered something. Because when we have shared this now with thousands of entrepreneurs, and, and when I'm in front of rooms of the um, most motivated, the, the most challenging, <laughs> the toughest rooms, the people who don't let you get away with anything, and we share our content, and it is almost unanimously confirmed as truth. It continues to spur us forward on this contention that we've discovered something, not created it. And what we believe is that the entrepreneurial personality type is a subpopulation of human beings that have existed since the beginning of time. And we are, we are the people within the population that challenge the status quo, that push things forward, that are willing to take the criticism and the blame and the, the, the pressure 
of doing that. And sorry, I get a little emotional. You know, when I was a kid, I felt so separated that I didn't think I would ever be successful. And so I started reading about success and over and over again, I found myself and that was confusing because in the world, I was being told I was developmentally disabled, um, special education, retarded, um, slow, failure to thrive, dyslexic, all kinds of things. And, um, and that was just from the adults. <laughs> um, and, and what was confusing was I was reading about people like Einstein, who I quickly developed a tremendous respect and maybe even obsession with. And I found that he couldn't read until he, he didn't speak until he was four. He couldn't ever tie his shoes, never could remember his phone number. And these were the things I was told I was retarded for. Right. And, and then I'd, I'd study more and I'd look and, and, you know, Lincoln never won anything, failed at everything, almost fell down in life completely until he became president and changed the world. <laughs> and I, I found myself, you know, and I read about Tony Robbins who, who, um, who took on this huge, huge figure in my life because I got his audio tapes when I was like eight years old. And here was a guy who had this super, superhuman physiology and presence and who had been out of shape and, and not okay and you know, wondering if he should go forward. And I found myself. And so the more I did that, the more it confirmed for me that the world has always been driven forward by people with the same condition. And it's very easy to see after a while, you know, after a hundred biographies, everything looks different. Yes. After a thousand, everything kind of starts to look different, but you see some patterns. But after tens of thousands, it's so clear. The entrepreneurial personality type is this physiologically driven, momentum-based subpopulation that feels compelled to move forward. And where psychology talks about extrinsic or intrinsic motivation, people like us, we have innate motivation. We wake up one day and we can't turn it off. And I think that, you know, Summer, you look at the population and it makes sense to me that there's a subpopulation driven to improve things, driven to change things, driven to move our society, our species, everyone forward collectively in contribution. Right. I think, you know, for all of us who've ever felt like we didn't have a club and nowhere to belong. Why do you think it took so long? I mean, obviously this existed before, but it's only now really being recognized and accepted. You know, it used to be if you had dyslexia, if you, if you didn't have good grammar, if you weren't a good speller, or like you were saying, if you, if you failed out of math, it was just like, well, you're, you're not going to go anywhere. Well, and, and Summer, I think, you know, for the most part, that is exactly how it is today. You know, the, the challenge is, is that when we look at the systems, and this is, you ask, you know, why is it like this? When we look at the systems in the world that evaluate human beings, we have exclusively deficit-based systems. Nowhere in school, nowhere in, in your career, you know, and, and unless you're extraordinarily lucky, does somebody sit down and say, what is right with you? What we're always doing is saying, hey, you know, so, so here's what's, we've got a group of seven-year-old children. And let's make sure that they all meet this average, this standard. And if they don't, let's let this one's parents know they're behind on verbal. This one, they're behind on math. This one, they're behind on reading. This one, they're behind on penmanship. This one, they're behind on social skills. Holy shit, they're seven-year-olds, of course. What do you expect them to develop like flowers? 
And in a season where they all do the same thing at the same time. And so then what we do is we attach each one of those kids gets attacked with what their deficit is. And so now a kid who had a bad day on a verbal test is now getting tutoring for shit they don't need. And so we're so wound up chasing standards. I want everyone to hear something. Standards are averages. Anytime you accept a standard as a judgment towards you or your child or anyone you know, you are accepting a judgment from average. And it's like the body mass index. Like what person has that ever really worked for? Right? I mean, I'm in incredible shape and it tells me I'm obese or, or you know, underweight, depending on how I run the numbers. It's ridiculous. And, and you know, the, the verbal scores in schools today, I just want you to think about something. You're letting your kid be judged by a standard set up by committees of bureaucrats, educators, teachers, and politicians. There, there is nothing wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with your kid. Beautiful. I want to kind of shift into your foundation for entrepreneurial success because it's so, it's so simple and yet so effective. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's like such a like golden nugget for, for people to, to walk away with. So I'd love to share what you're, you know, incorporating that, what your routine is like and how you utilize all of those steps. Sure. Sure. And so, you know, I, I think the foundation for entrepreneurial success for me is simple summer and, and I've coached people like this my entire life. Um, your, your marriage is most important and that's rule number one. And rule number two is absolute transparency or transparency in your marriage is absolute. And those are the two things that I've coached every single person I've ever worked with. And people say, Alex, like, how can that be the foundation for coaching? Well, here's what I've found. If, if we are honest with our spouses and we are paying attention to our marriages, it keeps us really present and really transparent and grounded. And if, if an entrepreneur tells me something like, well, no, my spouse just hasn't been supportive lately or she's not you know, telling me what I want to hear, well, that's a red flag. That means, you know, something's not quite clear. Maybe they need more support. They need more help. Like that's the most important thing in, in your marriage. And here's what I want, or in your, your life is your marriage. And it's also for your business, because if something happens with your business, your marriage will be affected, but it, but it might be okay. Every entrepreneur needs to know something happens in your marriage. Your business will not be okay. Don't fool yourself. In fact, even if you make a whole bunch of money, even if it like financially goes well, if your marriage isn't okay, you're building a business that you don't really want. Get things straight with your, with your spouse. And you know, I think that that changes things for us. Um, you know, Summer, that's, that's, where, that's the foundation that I've used. And here's what's interesting. People say, well, Alex, I'm not married. And, and you know, I don't think I want to be. Well, that's okay. But for, for me, most of the time, that's been really hard for me to coach someone like that because there's some part of them that, that's just so fundamentally different from me. Because <laughs> that was something that I always knew I wanted. And when I found Katie, I held on for dear life. And, um, and so, but if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I'm not married, how, do I, how can I be successful as an entrepreneur? I, I tell them, you know, one of, the, one of the meta programs you should be running, one of the things you should always be thinking about is becoming the person that you do want to marry. Right. And, and so if, if that's what you're doing on the, on, you know, in addition to running the business, 
I think it's going to have every bit as an effect as, as you know, your marriage is most important in transparency and marriage is absolute. Start becoming the person. Did you know this going into, into your marriage? Did you have this, this belief or was it something that came after? So Summer, I'll, I'll give you a little background and give everyone background. I know you know a little bit of my story, but I used to, I used to coach it, not coach. I used to consult at the C-suite level with, with really fast growth startups in the consumer and computer electronics industry, funded, um, you know, going public type startups and with global 100 and fortune 500 companies. And when you're in the room over and over again and watching what people are doing and watching how they're, how they're making decisions, it just becomes obvious that we're fundamentally different. So here's, here's what happened. I watched people at the very highest level in, in, you know, entrepreneurship, in, in, in business. And universally, the entrepreneurs, the, the C-level executives, the people that I was most drawn to, the ones that I wanted coaching and mentorship from, the ones who became my coaches and mentors, they just talked that way. And it was, it was amazing to hear because, you know, when I was younger, I thought if you're going to be successful in business, then you make business your exclusive focus and everything else kind of takes a second chair. And let's be honest, a lot of entrepreneurs don't actually say it out loud, but that's how they treat their lives. And what I found from being around the people that were most successful was that one of the guardrails they had in place was like, seriously, I can't tell you how many people said happy wife, happy life. And it stuck. I kept saying like, man, if, if the 12th guy who I really respect has said exactly that thing, I should start listening to this. And so when Katie and I met, um, I was running a pretty successful consultancy called Sales Out. And I had been a part of a company called Latin Rep. So I had really incredible contacts throughout Latin America. I was a regular guest on Home Shopping Network to sell, you know, whatever deal we had, I could get it on air. Uh, I did business with Office Depot, Walmart, Radio Shack. Tech data it was a, it was a huge, huge business, and I had been focused on on you know finding someone becoming the person that I wanted to marry for a while. I'd actually seen a therapist, <laughs> created a list, really kind of cleaned up my act and so when I found Katie, um, I knew that she was what I wanted, and so we met we were both on a trip um, we spoke over the phone for about four to six weeks, I think something like that. She came out to Florida for a trip and she moved out a couple weeks later and I walked away from that business. So I had so committed to like making that the most important thing in my life. And I had watched so many other people do it and create massive success out of it that when it came time to make those decisions, I made them really quickly. And isn't it so interesting? Cause I noticed that now and I, and I see that when you're speaking to entrepreneurs today, or at least, you know, in, in the circles that, that we're in, there's such a holistic approach to business and, <laughs> and relationship. And yeah. whereas it used to be, you know, you're not a real entrepreneur unless you live, breathe, work, you know, family second, you know what I mean? Like I remember oh, that. I totally time. hear you. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny, Summer. So here's how weird I am um, <laughs> as an anomaly. So in the, in the, in, in 19, I was born in 72 in Mexico and um, my family born, moved to the States in 76. My mother's American. But so I grew up with my mom in the United States as an American. I, I had spoken Spanish, but we were part of this group called La Leche League, which is a, a breastfeeding support oh, I know group. La Leche. Yes. 
And, and so my mom was the Southern California area leader. She helped grow that organization in the seventies, helped like grow the membership, created all the leaders in the area. She was a leader trainer. So I grew up in an organization that, um, promoted like home birth, breastfeeding, organic foods, um, you know, using vinegar instead of bleach, all that kind of stuff. Like that's how I grew up. I grew up as the weird kid who showed up with handmade organic bread. And fruit instead of like, you know, ding dongs and stuff that all the other kids had or getting to eat the school lunch. Alex, I was the same way. I used to get teased for having uh, spirulina in, right. my, in my drinks at school. Right. Really, why are you drinking green juice? And I had, I, I mean, white bread would never, ever. Not even close, right? It was, and, and it was It was so, it's so funny because like I would go to school and, and so it wasn't spirulina, but for me, like every kid would have chocolate milk. I'd have carob. Because in the, you know, like in the 70s and 80s, that was a big chocolate substitute. By the way, there's a reason that crap didn't survive Um, because it's terrible, right? But so here's what's crazy. And you know this now, Summer. Yeah. When when I was a kid, every single thing that had ever made someone pick on me, every single thing that ever made me stand out as the oddball, all of those things, here's what's so crazy. In my world today, I am the absolute exception to the rule. And it's why people want to talk to me. Yes. And when I get into the rooms where it's, you know, everybody has more net worth than they would ever need in their lives. Here's, here's the topic of conversation, home birth, breastfeeding, organic foods, cleaning with vinegar instead of bleach. And I'm the expert because I was a freak when I was a kid. And so, so. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly. I mean, I grew up, you know, my mom was a teacher of transcendental meditation. Nobody had heard of it where I grew up. And it was like, what? What do you have to go do now? Oh, I can I can play with you after my ballet and after I meditate. You know, I meditated in the morning and then in the evening. Since I could walk, my mom gave me a walking mantra. So I, it's, I've grown up with that. And people used to go, that is so weird. I would get teased for it, but never, you know, I never let it. I, it affected me a little bit, but not enough to the point that I would ever not do it. And now it's like, all around me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, no, I remember. You were raised doing that? Yes. Right. <laughs> right. No, and it's, it's so funny because now, you know, both of my kids were, um, we had them at home. They're both home birth. They're unschooled. And uh, it's, it used to make us so weird. And we were almost apologetic about it. We would, you know, Katie and I were like, oh, yeah, well, we had our kids at home. And, and in certain circles, that makes you weird. Like when you're at the PTA meeting, it makes you weird. When we go to, to the meetings where we go with you, <laughs> we're, we're both members, it doesn't make us weird anymore. We're just, we're the ones who everybody wants to find out how we did it. So it's kind of a, a really interesting um, kind of life role reversal, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wow. <laughs> so cool. So you have, you have this foundation of breathing, hydration, nutrition, movement. Is yeah. this something that you incorporate Every day, oh, absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, that that is that is the most critical thing for entrepreneurs. So, I've I've worked with, consulted with, and been in meetings with people who, you know, what it, it's so interesting, Summer, because when you when you're in meetings where every one of them is worth multiple millions of dollars, it's a different view of the world. And, and let me let me explain what I mean by that. As a consultant. On a daily basis, I might be on five to eight calls where every single deal was someone else's most important deal of the month. <laughs> Does that make sense? So I was always seeing these huge deals, these massive opportunities. And, and here's what I kept finding was that 
there was things that take people out of the game. And when I, when I was sitting next to somebody who was worth more money than, than you and I would ever need or, or small cities would ever need. And when the people around them were afraid to say, Hey, there's something wrong here with how you're acting. I started to try and figure out like, what was it that was happening? And here's what I found. Like if, if that guy wasn't breathing, like if they were holding their breath, if they were stressed, if somebody triggered them, we were in trouble. Yeah. If we were in a conference room and they got agitated and they were in front of a room and talked for an hour and weren't drinking water, weren't hydrating within an hour, we were in trouble. And if, if we, I mean, here's the worst, like when we got into the rooms where they, they did the hostage crisis and they don't order food, yeah, you are guaranteed that meeting is going to crash land. And, and the last one, so it's breathing, hydration, nutrition, and then movement. And what's so interesting about movement is that we do it all day, but we only think it matters when we're working out. Right. And, and so what we, you know, when, and, and so I coach entrepreneurs on those four things and understand, I think a lot of people, they, they, they say, you know, who, who is this guy? Does he do physiology? Does he do business? Does he coach on family? Yes, we do all of those things. We use this lens of the entrepreneurial personality type. And by showing people how to incorporate breathing, hydration, nutrition, and movement, all you get them going before you're done with the first hour of the day, everything in life changes. Yeah. Now, what's so funny to me is that there are some entrepreneurs that kind of live off of the mindset of, well, when I have this part of my business figured out, then I'll focus on all of that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's funny is um, I often tell this story, Summer, of, of, of being that guy. I was exactly that guy. Okay. Tell me, so I, because I think so many people need to hear this and realize how important it is to actually have it the reverse. Totally. Totally. So here's, here's, and you know what? I'm, these days people say really crazy things about me. They say things like, uh, you know, he's, he's like this genius or he's this. And I always think like, you don't understand how challenged I really am. Like sometimes when, when I think of the stuff that I was called as a kid, I'm like, Hey, in that situation, I really did look dis- developmentally disabled. You know, like I, I'm challenged by a lot. So, oh, and this is such a, so here's, here's this poignant, like in your face example in my life. So a little bit more of my background. When I was 21, I became a consultant and it was one of those things where I dropped into a position where a New York firm wanted to open a Florida office. I got a ton of contacts, but I took all the risk. And so it was sink or swim and, and I did well. And, um, I figured out that, you know, watching the people around me was going to help me really understand how to work and how to, how to grow. I just watched the wrong people. I watched the people who were doing what I was doing. And so I built this massive, massive business. I mean, huge around myself. And, and instead of building it so it supported me, I built it so it was supported by me. So I was the hub. And, and here's what I was watching. Like I, I started going out and I, I would visit this friend of mine who was also in his twenties and started making a ton of money summer. Like today he's a billionaire. And, um, so the first time I go out and visit him, he's got, you know, we, I, I'm, I'm working out of this little house in Florida, three bedroom house in Orlando. And I go out to visit him and he's got like an assistant and his clothes are being delivered in, in bags and all folded. And like people are doing his, his grocery shopping and stuff. And I remember thinking, gosh, you know, who does he think he is getting all that help? You know, and then I go running back to my office and I do everything myself. 
Then I go back and I see him, you know, a few years later, you know, time goes on. Now there's assistance and there's, there's a driver and there's people like dialing the phone for him and making sure. And I'm thinking like, man, you know, this is crazy. Look at all this support. Look how he's spending so much. I go back to my office and, and keep doing what I was doing. And then I started, it started dawning on me somewhere. I started doing the same thing. I started saying like, Hey, wait, he's, he's got those people. Then he has time to work out. And, and every time I see him, he looks healthier and I look more tired. He's doubling his revenue every eight months. I'm increasing by 15 or 20%. I mean, I'm doing extraordinarily well, but like when you double every eight, eight months, you start getting into the billions quick. And so, so I'm watching this and I go to see him. And I remember this time I went to see him and it was like, okay, the world has changed. We're in his office in New York and we get up and to go downstairs, like people are literally opening doors, walking him down hallways, having him sign stuff as he walks by. Nobody's slowing him down. We get downstairs, like there's a group of people that get him to a car. We get into a car. The car goes to a chopper. There's two people that literally walk him to the chopper, open the door, get him in there. We chopper over to a plane. We get on a plane. We fly down to Fort Lauderdale. And I remember being on the plane and I said, dude, you know, like 40 or 50 people must have touched your stuff today. How crazy is it that for you to get from New York to Florida, it takes 40 people. And he looked me in the face and he said, Alex, you've been coming here for a while. You got to understand what's going on. If any person today saw me do so much as open a door, they would have panicked. They're all here for reasons. They, they know why they're here. They've recruited each other. And they know that if they support me, it gets better for all of us. And that's why we're doing this. And somewhere I remember going home and getting like the laundry service and the cleaning service and offloading every effing thing I could. And like, I remember Katie, Katie came along shortly after that, after I made that decision. And she was like blown away when we started living together because I was doing as little as I could. But all of a sudden, my income in my business had exploded. And, and I had time to start working out and stuff because I wasn't doing anything except for was important, what was important. And so, you know, I think, I think for everyone, it's you offload doing the work. There is no glory in doing the work. Instead, you offload that so you can do the work on yourself. Right. And that's working out and, and meditating and, you know, understanding what you want and, and creating time to create your future in the morning through planning and solitude. That changes everything. So what does your typical morning look like? Um, it's exactly the same whenever I'm at home. I'm up usually at around 4.30. I go down, I hydrate. Um, I start with some, so I, I just do a lot of water at the beginning. Then I start with nutrition. I use shakes in the morning, um, low processed shakes, but you know, bananas and fruit and some protein powders and um, some bulletproof coffee uh, and some healthy fats. And then I do planning and solitude usually for about an hour and a half or two hours. And that's where I do a lot of writing, creating strategy, um, creating marketing. Uh, what, you know, before everybody in the world is up, that's kind of my time to really get things done. And then I go and I do movement. So I'm working out in some way and I'm usually still writing during working out. I'm still kind of, you know, updating things. And then, uh, the kids get up and we go for a walk every morning with them. And then we come into the office. I love that. Is it you and Katie that are, are homeschooling together? What's the, what's that kind of schedule look like? Or is it just whatever you want it to be? So we, we do it together and really it's, um, we have a team approach summer. So we have, um, a nanny who's with us full time. She's been with us since Kennedy was born. She's amazing and the kids love her. And so she helps us get them like today, 
Kennedy has, she meets with a, a, a Montessori um, and school of the mind teacher that we know really well a couple times a week who kind of helps her and supports her in a way that we know is educationally supported, um, not curriculum driven, but it's really what the kids want. Like Reagan just did a report on China and I have no idea why, but she, <laughs> we walked into the room, there's this huge report on China and she's nine years old and she's got a report on like the import export and all this stuff in China. So they, they do that. They have a few outdoor programs that they go to. They both do things like yoga and martial arts. And what we're doing is we let the kids elect what they want to pursue. And then we support them in finding the avenue to pursue it. And we arrange the schedules. And then the rest of the time, we really want them playing. You know, that's their job. And as kids, my kids are so much smarter the days that they're at home playing. It's weird. Oh, yeah. Because, they, I mean, their creative juices just get to go wild. Well, and if you really look at how, how you and I exist in the world, especially the way that we were raised, right? So you were raised, in, 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 and I was raised in a way where we were told anything's possible. And you, know, you can go do whatever you want. And here's some tools where you can actually kind of do it in a magical way. Right. You know, and you're going to have an advantage over everybody else. Oh, absolutely. And, and so our kids feel the same way. Well, you, you know, it's hard to raise them that way. And then say, go conform into this box called standardized testing, because they immediately look at you and say, hey, this isn't real. Yeah. So, so you know, having that time with them and spending the, the, the time in the morning where we connect, it's, it's crucial. Summer, it's, it's amazing. I've been coaching people with their kids, you know, entrepreneurs with their kids for a long time. And um, just having, just getting up and, and two things, just two strategies. One is waking your kids up incredibly gently, like laying down next to them giving them, you know, a good minute or two to wake up, what happens is they're more energized. They're, they don't have that adrenaline, that, that lag afterwards where, where they were roughly gotten up, you know, it was rough getting up and then they feel bad. And the second thing is go for a 10 minute walk with them in the morning. I got an email from someone who's been doing this and he wanted me to know that the school contacted him because they had had the parent intervention meeting like two months before where they bring in the therapist and the six people and everybody tell you know, the customized educational plan or whatever. And they told him that his kid had ADD and he needed medication. And the school had contacted him to find out what he was doing because the child had improved so much. Wow. Two things, gently waking him up, 10 minute walk in the morning. Isn't that crazy? It's so, it's so amazing how small things have such a great impact. Like, I mean, it's true. If, you, if you're woken up abruptly, I mean, the hormones, everything that just gets shocked and imbalanced. I mean, that's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, so I know how exhausted it is, you know, if you're on the road and somebody almost cuts you off or whatever, and you get that shot of adrenaline, like, oh my gosh, yeah. something almost happened. Yeah. It's exhausting afterwards. I'm like, okay, I need to settle down. I need to breathe. Yeah. It takes yeah. a lot out of you. So I can imagine how just something like that, there's just, Yeah. Small changes. And, and you know, for all of us too, Summer, you know, we, we coach entrepreneurs that, that reactivity, we are in a state where we're more reactive today than we have been at any other time in human history. And, and one of the things that keeps us so reactive, and you know, here's, here's how I think we create success. The, the standard dogma on success is do this thing that I've done before, do it really well, like I've done before, and you'll be successful like I was. And, and, you know, I think the reality is, is that the way that we're successful is we each create our own path. We figure out, you know, how we're going to get there. And we do that through stopping reactivity. 
And, you know, the gentle wake up works just as well for us. Like get the phone out of your room. Um, go online and buy one of the clocks that has a chime or something really like pleasant that, that wakes you up softly. And you'll find that you do that day after day. And it's amazing the difference between hearing an alarm, looking at a screen, shutting off any chance you have at dopamine and hearing a chime, getting up, going and moving around, hydrating and starting the morning in a way that actually allows you to have awareness. Right. That changes everything. Oh, absolutely. Be interesting to film somebody. <laughs> you know, what was interesting is this, this weekend we were in a hotel and there was a fire alarm at 2.30 in the morning. And so we had to drag the kids down. It was one of those things like you don't ever want that to happen. But when, when, I was, when we got back to the room and I was putting my nine-year-old back in her bed, Reagan said the coolest thing. She was said, you know, Dad, it's such a difference when we get woken up in the morning and when you get a fire alarm because your heart beats and you're all racy and now I really don't feel good and I'm, I'm feeling like anxious. And so that's really important. And it was interesting that a nine-year-old would point out that contrast. That's how important it is. Very aware she is. Yeah. I think that's kind of a, a guidepost for all of us. Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, there's something else you talk about, which I think is really important. And I'd love to hear um, your take on it is vulnerability and, and why it's so important. <laughs> um, yeah, man, this is a hard one, isn't it? Um, so I have, I have a, I have a really strong um, stance on this. I think that vulnerability and, and, you know, telling people what we need is the absolute foundation to creating the success, the greatest potential, the greatest contribution we want in the world. Um, I don't think there's any other foundational skill that gets you there. And um, it's so hard. And, and, you know, I call it the entrepreneur's dichotomy because our personality type needs far more protection and support than the average person to reach our full potential. But anytime we request protection or support, it makes us feel exposed. And so that, that dichotomy where we're always fighting being transparent, we're always fighting vulnerability, keeps us in this place where we're constantly creating a veneer. We're constantly creating this shell that hides who we are from the people around us. And so as a result, we use these, these um, phrases like fake it until you make it as an excuse to just make shit up. And, and, and let's be honest, that's not what the person ever said. You know, that's not what they meant. What they meant was, you know, if you haven't made it yet, walk with your shoulders high, feel confident, like understand you'll get there. They didn't mean make shit up. And today, I think one of the hardest parts for entrepreneurs is that we almost are told we should make things up. And, and you know, we have these, these examples in the market of people who say, you know, I did this, I did this, I flipped over a coin, you know, pushed a button and a whole bunch of money came out because I had all these clients who loved me. And for anyone who's ever built a tribe or a company or a family or a group of people who had to move in a direction together, the one thing I can tell you is that it's not a simple process that you push a button and make happen. And so today for entrepreneurs, you know, moving forward, understanding how to go there, understanding how to make this happen, it's who we are. It's telling people the greatest change we want to make in the world, where we are today and what we need to get there. And that's vulnerability. 
And I have a, a friend in Australia, his name's Brett um, Campbell, and he, he, he's huge on this. And he helped me with it too, because you know, he, he would say, you know what, what makes you vulnerable makes you beautiful. And I think it's interesting because the more you're, uh, you're willing to let someone in, the more you're willing to share of who you really are and how you really feel, the more that people who are like you will hear you and hear your message. And, and here, here's what I believe. It, it, it doesn't matter what your message is. If it's vulnerable and real and you fully develop that message in that lens and you share it in a spirit of helping the people you care about, they will find you. And that's why I think that you know, it, it, here, here's what I can tell you about every billionaire I've ever had the privilege of spending time with and developing a relationship with. They have an absolute dependence on people, but they also have an absolute dedication to people. They get there through vulnerability. Right. It's, it's very, it's, it attracts people. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny when, when we think of transformational leader, we think of leaders who were vulnerable and raw and open and real. And even those who put themselves at personal risk and, and, and put themselves in situations where, where maybe we wouldn't want to be in, and maybe people didn't want them. And then in the present, when we strive to become a transformational leader, we create a veneer and a reality that doesn't really exist. The, the shortcut is any attempt to, to be anything other than yourself will fail or hold you back. And, and being as vulnerable as you can changes everything. It's funny, Summer, you know, the marketing we put out these days, it says things like, hey, we're testing this marketing because we don't really understand the messaging. Let us know what you think. And people, people sign up for the class. Yep. Because it's transparent and real. Exactly. And it, and it makes them, you know, get to be a part of it. Yeah. And I feel like that's so, that's so important for people. So I was going to ask you, and maybe, maybe this is part of the answer is, you know, when people get stuck, what do you, what do you usually tell them? Um, here's, here's the easiest way to get unstuck in the moment. And I know this is going to sound like a cliche, but I really, I've literally been on coaching calls where I thought somebody might be having like some really challenging, almost suicidal thoughts. Yeah. And we've used this strategy and it's worked. Wow. Um, if you're stuck in the moment, the fastest way to get into momentum is to create it for someone else. An entrepreneur who's stuck, pick up the phone, call someone, see how they're doing. We all have someone on our list that we could call and check in with. We know they're going through something. We can, we could call and just lend an ear, see, see what's going on. When we're stuck, it usually means we've spent some period of time in isolation. And what's interesting about entrepreneurs is that we are so tribal, yet we deny it to ourselves. Because there is, I've never met an entrepreneur yet that didn't get momentum from helping another entrepreneur. Yet when we're stuck, we forget that's how easy it is. Yes, it's absolutely true. I feel like when you're stuck, a lot of the times it's because you're so wrapped up, and I don't, I don't mean this to sound offensive, but you're so wrapped up in yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's ego. It's ego. It's ego. And the fastest way yeah. to switch that around, like you said, is to just put the attention on somebody else and offer help. Yeah, ego and contribution have trouble being in the same place. And yes, so true. So let's talk about your book. 
Very cool. 500 copies. And I just think it's like the coolest thing ever. So let's tell everyone what's going on with that. You got it. So, um, you know, I'll start with this, this premise. So, so books are incredibly important to me. And um, I used to think that I was weird because every home I've ever had, I had more books than furniture. And, um, and every office I've ever had, I've been surrounded by books. And then I realized, like, again, the more time I spent around the people I wanted to emulate, the more I realized bookshelves were kind of just a thing. <laughs> and, and um, you know, Summer, I don't know if you, you find this, but like really successful people say weird things about books. They say things like, I need to have them around me. Or, or really successful people say things like, oh, if I'm traveling and I don't have a book with me, I'm uncomfortable. I don't need to be reading it. I just need to have a book with me. Yeah, I'm the biggest book nerd ever. So I totally get it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yes. So I think that people who classify like me, classify ourselves as book nerds or passionate about it or, or see like a Kindle as, as an abomination, it's because we have this affinity for books. And I have that. And, and recently... What's happened in some markets, and I'm not going to say any names, but there's just far too many books that are business cards with far too many words. And, you know, if I have to read like the nine or seven or six or four or three strategies in 30, 60, 90 days or less, again, it's going to kill me, <laughs> you know? And, and what they, what they really, and, and unfortunately, what happens is these days, those books can end up on the bestseller list. And so we were looking at publishing a book and I wanted to do something totally different. And, and we always ask ourselves, like, how can we be not one of many, but one of one? How can we um, go zero to one in every strategy that we have? And so when it came time to publishing, um, you know, I, I've always been into limited edition watches and uh, limited edition cars. And so I collect both. And I thought, why not do a limited edition book? And we looked into it and it never been done before. Nobody had ever said, this is all we're going to print of this book. Right. So we said, first and final only, 500 copies. And then we, we made it into what I later found out was a chain letter. I never got a chain letter in school, so I didn't know they existed. I'm serious. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I didn't know what it was. But what, we, what we're asking is that people read the book on the entrepreneurial personality type. They sign it and they pass it on and each book gets handed on a hundred times. If that happens, there'll be 50,000 reads of the book. The average bestseller, you only have to sell about 20,000 copies and only 2% are read. That's only 400 out of 20,000. If we can get this book read 5,000 times, 10,000 times, even a fraction of the 50, we believe it'll start a movement and that's our intention. I didn't want to sell a lot of books. I want to start a conversation and change things. Exactly. You want it to have an actual measurable impact. Yeah. I think it's such a fantastic idea. And I think that's, like you said, there's reasons that people write a book. A lot of people today are for the business card, you know, for the, for the credibility, but wow, to actually get your message out there and actually in a really, really impactful way. I love, love this idea. Like you said, I don't really want to waste time on a book that's another, okay, here's another five strategies. Here's another this. I mean, it, it seems like how many, how many things can you implement, right? You want to spend that time really learning something and really using it and implementing it in your life. Well, and here's, here's the premise we started with. It doesn't take 50,000 copies to start a movement. Um, you know, Katie and I, in 2000, Eight. Uh, 2007, we went bankrupt. And in 2008, 
we uh, started a movement in the United States called the Certified Distressed Property Expert designation. It's similar to what we're doing today. We started that in the middle of bankruptcy. Um, we even had to have the content released by the trustee. And on January 23rd and 24th, we had 62 people in a room. Those 62 people grew to almost 46,000 real estate agents that became our members. We actually sold 48,000 copies of the CDP, but 46,000 actually finished it. That's the highest rate of actual adoption that any information products had anywhere. I, I, I challenge anyone to show me one that's better. And, and that movement started with only 62. And so this time we said, hey, can we start it with, with 500? And we know we can. And so, you know, somebody said, hey, isn't this just a publicity stunt to me? Summer, I kind of look at life as a publicity stunt. You only get one opportunity, but it also has a tremendous amount of meaning for me. I love that. Well, I'm excited. I'm hoping Eric passes it on to me. I think his, uh, his boys have it right now. One of his boys has it right now. (laughs) Well, I think then I'm just gonna have to go add you to the list right now and get a book on its way to you. Oh, I was hoping. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Done. All right. Perfect. So you recently had a, like a grand opening event. Is that right? We did. We well, did. Wait, tell me about what that was. So Katie and I have, have for years been talking about, you know, when we started our, our last business, we, we did a lot of events. We did about 2,000 events, maybe 3,000 events over the period of seven years. Um, it was one of the largest events companies ever in real estate. And we had always talked about creating a, a place that was like an entrepreneurial headquarters where people could come from around the country and we could teach. We would have our team there. We'd have classrooms, we'd have like rooms where they could experience stuff that we do, see what we're doing, um, kind of a gathering place. And uh, it's funny, Summer, about three or four years ago, we started making this list. We want a, um, you know, an office where we can do whatever we want and hit. We want high ceilings, you know, we want uh, um, big windows that show the outside. We want, uh, we don't have to worry about, you know, parking ever again, because we've always had parking problems. Then we started saying crazy stuff, like we want a hotel nearby. And then, you know, when we travel and if people are going to come and visit us and take classes, we want a Whole Foods. We want um, services nearby if we can get them, you know, everything that they could get. And it would be nice if they could walk. Yeah. Well, we also were saying like, it would be nice if it was 20 minutes from our house. And, and we bought a house like four years ago. So there's no way that that could have ever happened. And I get like a little emotional when I talk about this because it feels weird. So then what happened was we were in a lease up until December. And we started looking early last year and we realized that right at the end of the street that we were previously on in this, this place called the Galleria, if anybody wants to look it up, it's called the Hill Country Galleria in Bill Cave, B Caves. There's this brand new complex. There's a movie theater, a Whole Foods, about 14 restaurants, an entire mall. Everything's within walking distance and it shares a parking lot with our office and our hotel. It's 14 minutes from our house and it feels. <laughs> And it, it feels like, like we wrote it all down and it just got delivered. It's, I mean, I, I know that sounds super goofy, but it's, uh, it's here. So we invited everybody to come see it. Oh my gosh. I love it. You got, you have so many exciting things you've re you've remodeled. Yeah. I love it. And I know you've got the red light sauna. Yeah. I do that twice a week is, or if I can do more, I will, but I am, I've got to get one in the house, but I, I go somewhere to, to do that. It's so incredible. And then when I saw that your daughters were doing it, I was like, yes, that's so cool. <laughs> well, you'll have to let me know, Summer, because the the two co-founders of Sunlighten, which is the only infrared sauna to get, 
Um, I've done all the research and I know them personally. I would love to connect you with them. They're amazing. Okay. For sure. I do. It's just amazing. You know, it's so funny because I had, um, just a few days ago, I had like a mild earache. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go in because I feel like anytime there's any pain or anything, I go in and it's, it's gone after that. Sure enough, a few hours later, totally wiped out. Summer, you and I could hang out anytime. Oh, I know. I know. It's like we, we grew up on the same street and never met. Oh my gosh, totally. All right, well, we're going to make that happen more. Yeah, no question. So anybody listening who wants to get more information on you, um, exciting things that you've got going on, where can we send them? Really, there's two places. So our, our corporate website is sharfen.com, C-H-A-R-F as in Frank, E-N.com. And, and that's a great place to kind of see who we are. But our Facebook group, I know you're a member, Summer, of the Entrepreneurial Personality Type Facebook group. And if you go to we are E-P-T, so W-E-A-R-E-E-P-T.com, it'll take you right to that group on Facebook. Join. We'll get you in after about 12 to 24 hours. We're pretty protective and make sure that not a lot of bots or fake people get in. Yeah. But if you're real and you have a heartbeat, we'll get you in there. <laughs> and, um, and Summer, you're a member, right? Yes, I am. And so, you know, maybe you can share your experience. You know, we, we are hoping that we're putting in a lot of like good resources and creating a gathering place for entrepreneurs to kind of look at things differently and understand themselves better. No, and that's absolutely what it is. And I will say this, it's, it feels very much like, like a family and you're so, you're just so amazing with your, with your videos and really making us feel a part of your life and you care so much. So we're kind of along this journey and, and getting these insights from you on a day-to-day basis, which is incredible because I watch all of them and I implement them. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, 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 really worthwhile. So definitely join. You have no idea how much that means to me. Thank you, Summer. Good. <laughs> well, please um, give my love to Katie. I love her. Love you guys. And thank you so, so much for, for being on the show. Yeah, I know this has been a pleasure. Um, you know, I am such a huge fan of your work and your ability to create narrative and, and story. And, um, and this has been fantastic. And, uh, you know, I just want to thank you and Eric for everything over the past few years that we've known each other. Uh, your support and, and all of the positive feedback and everything you guys have done for us has been amazing. Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure. All right, Alex. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. You got it, Summer. And if, if you want to um, ever record Katie, she's pretty good at these too. Yes. And I think you would love my wife because like I just realized, you know, we need to figure out how we're hanging out. Yes. Soon. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. I'm going to definitely send her a request for sure. Yeah. And then Summer, let's get you down here to one of our events and come hang out with us. Please. Yes. How will I find out about that? Why don't I, um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get you added to the list for a book because I can't believe we already didn't add you. I thought I had, I apologize. Um, but that'll happen today. And then let me have Paula um, get you the information on our leverage event in March. Okay. But anything you have a question on, come through me because I want to make sure that like we, we start doing some stuff together and get you down here. I think this could be amazing. Plus, we should be talking about you a lot more than we are. Oh, gosh. (laughs) You know, well, we have just this steady stream of people that like we should know, you know, your offering and what and how to how to help people understand it. And and we should have a longer conversation with Eric, too, about I don't know if he talked to you about our our new venture that we've started, but um, I definitely want to have a longer conversation with you and Katie about it. It's called Giver, G-I-V-R-R. 
Yeah. Um, did he start to tell you about it? Briefly, briefly. very okay, briefly. So yeah, we'll have to go into it more and we're going to, um, we're probably at the end of the quarter, hopefully sooner we'll be launching it, but we're, we're getting pretty close and it's just amazing. And, you know, our whole thing is to transform the way that people give, you know, and, and get that intrinsic value, but basically turning good, good deeds, um, and, you know, healthy actions for yourself into currency for, um, charities and organizations. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. I want to get you back down here for, for one of our leverage events so bad. Cause it's, it's just tailor made for that type of thinking. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. We need all people on board. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Summer, this was, this was fantastic. I really appreciate this and you and, um, and I'm looking forward to, to first getting you, you know, getting you some information from us, but then also getting you the rest of our stuff so that we can finally do our drop shop videos. Cause that'll help us sell you guys even more. Perfect. We're in. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Summer. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests.